Is this thing still on? I think they can hear us a bit better now. Should we keep talking? Of course. Let's say it louder for those in the back. Hi, and welcome to the Green Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion about health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And my name is Sarah Fung. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get updates on new episodes. If you love our podcast and our advocacy work, please go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the Support Us button. This will give you access to exclusive episodes and early releases on a monthly basis. This will help us with the cost of running the podcast, the time and energy to put out awesome and informative episodes. And for that, we thank you and we appreciate you. Hi, and welcome everyone this week to the Gritty Nurse Podcast. Thank you again for listening to us. Um, Yeah, we, we have to talk about mental health. I know that we've had many episodes in the past about this, but there's been some really scary things happening. And I think that everybody is feeling this heaviness over the past couple weeks. I mean, we're 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 heading into year two and a half of the pandemic. We're seeing, you know, more hospitalizations again. Nurses are burning out. And and you know, there there have been some really, really tragic incidences that have occurred and really overwhelming. And one of the things that here in Ontario, we talked about, um, like, I think the budget came out and we discussed the importance of, you know, mental health and what are the ways that, you know, our government's going to retain nurses? Because one of the things that he mentioned was all of these various different fancy hospitals that will be built um, and spending all these billions of dollars on infrastructure, but not on people. And I think we have to understand and we have to put the capital into people because we're burning out. And mental health is mental health stress is a huge, huge thing that we need to discuss. Yeah. And I think that throughout the time we've been doing this podcast, it's really been an underlying theme that we've talked about over and over because it's so incredibly important. And it's really the reason, one of the reasons why we started this podcast was to talk about mental health and how important it is and how we can advocate for better conditions, better mental health supports, and really just help people understand that mental health is health. In the same way that when you break an arm or you break a leg, you are given a certain amount of time off work and resources to help you recover. And mental health is just as important, if not more important than physical health. And in the spirit of Nurses Week, I think that this is something we really need to talk about again. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe before we kind of get into some of the 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 nitty gritty of our episode, maybe we just do a quick touch base. So, how are you doing, Sarah, with your mental health? Um, I think this year has been a lot of ups and downs. Like we just started with Omicron and everything spiraling out of control. You know, schools were out and then they were back in, and then here in Ontario we got a we got hit with a lot of snowstorms. So then it was back out of school again, and then into what is it now, the sixth wave? And I don't know, I feel like I feel like there's things that are lifting my spirits, like knowing that people are listening and that we are making a difference. And then there are things like people 
I mean, when they took away the mask mandates and they took away the vaccine mandates, that kind of really got me down because I felt like we weren't moving anywhere yet again. I can agree with you. I think that there's been a lot of things to celebrate and a lot of things that I find very, very concerning and a lot of things that have been kind of weighing on me and that have been very, very heavy. Like I think one of the things that we just saw, you know, over the past, I guess, two weeks was there's like convoy people back in, in Ottawa. And it's just, it's just that human behavior, right? Like it's just, it's really, it's really concerning to see the shift. And this is one of the things I had asked on Twitter before I had said, you know, is it that we are losing compassion for people and for others around us? Or was that compassion not there to begin with? And I think that's a really reasonable question to ask because it's just the way I've seen people behaving, The some of the interactions I've had, like I had an interaction where I was at Costco and I talked about a story about when I was in Alberta and an interaction of racism there that felt very similar here where I actually had mentioned to Jordan, I'm like, the guy actually kind of nudged me, he kind of bumped into me. It's just, I, I just don't know where people's heads are at. And and that's the scariest piece. And I think that just, you know, with myself, there's been a lot of really heavy things just within the last week I had. I've been advocating about this Confederate flag to come down. It eventually did come down. But again, you know, within that um, death threats and various other things that were happening, it's just I think for me, the overall air is just it's feeling very, very heavy. And I just I, I'm hoping at some point in time that turns around. I, I think there's a lot of positive things that are happening too. I I, I can say that, you know, I, I do see that there's some change. I'm getting to connect with a lot of equity, um, equity groups and getting to do some more nursing advocacy. But I feel that the air is still really thick and heavy at this point. Yeah. And especially the political climate where we are, there's an upcoming election and I'm scared. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I just know that we need change um, and we really need a leader that is going to put healthcare workers first because that really means that we're putting health care first and the health of the entire community. There's there's a lot of things that I think um, are, are yet to be determined. If we have this episode again at the end of the year, I'm not sure where we're going to be at. I'm hoping that there will be some positive change and some advocacy happening. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think um, I think it's a very real fear. Like I looked at some polling uh, yesterday, and I was I kind of shuddered because I was just like, "Oh, that, that doesn't look very good." It looked like the polls were um, the that the polls were um, shifting towards more of a conservative government. And like I said to Jordan, I'm like, "Hey, you know, I wonder if they would form a coalition like Liberals and NDPs." And I think he was saying that you know that might not happen. So I, I, you're right, Sarah. There's there's some real palpable fear that we might have more of the same as opposed to su- seeing some changes. Um, yeah, so mm-hmm. I feel the same way. Maybe we can talk about what we've been seeing in the news lately because there have been a few instances that have been public about nurses. Still, um, we're hearing about nurses that have committed suicide, some of them on the job, which is really scary. Um, There was actually a case last week where there was a nurse in California who was halfway through their shift in the emergency department. And and what I had read was he actually went into a closet with a shotgun and killed himself. And there was another person with him at the time. I just can't even imagine what was going through, what would have had to happen for this to occur. Like, there were probably so many instances where help could have been given, um, more support. I, I just feel 
I feel so much sadness for this case. I think when anybody dies by suicide, it's it's a very tragic and very scary thing. And I think it's even it's a real palpable fear, um, especially when it happens at work. I think I think people don't understand the the gravity and the heaviness of what has been happening over the past two years. I think this is something that we continue to talk about. We continue to say nurses need help. I think this is just something that we have to continue to pay attention to. We need to have policies. We need to have other things that inform and protect and support nurses. And right now what I'm scared is, is that we're not seeing that. Like the fact that they, they go in, in on their shift, they die by suicide and by shooting themselves. I think that is, that's devastating. That's devastating to that individual. It's devastating to the people around that individual. It just speaks to the fact that we're not doing all we can to protect healthcare workers at this time. Yeah, I actually read some scary statistics. This is by the CDC. So um, a recent study that they conducted found that more than 70% of healthcare workers in the U.S. suffer from anxiety and depression. 38% have symptoms of PTSD and 15% have had recent thoughts of suicide or self-harm. I think that's even higher than some of the stats that we quoted from pre-pandemic. And it's really concerning to me because I don't see this getting better anytime soon. Yeah, those are some really horrifying statistics. And and you know what, I, I bet you that they're probably worse than that. And I think that, you know, I'm surprised that I haven't heard more discussion on mental health. Like, I don't know about you, but I just don't feel that I've been hearing much about mental health. We've been hearing about people who are fighting for their freedom. We're hearing about buildings and highways and things being built. We're we're hearing about, we're still hearing about the shortage. We're still hearing about COVID-19. We're, we're hearing about long COVID, but no one's really discussing the people who are literally working through this. And I mean, that's you, that's me, that's other nurses and physicians and everybody else who might be, who's considered ally health. And it's, it's taxing. It's very, very difficult. And, you know, you think about people who are going to work and people are, there's still that disinfodemic and, you know, that fear around people are, are free to still spread misinformation and that, you know, I think I saw just recently in the States, I just saw recently that there's going to be like a minister of truth Oh, where okay. they're going to have someone talking about like making sure that information is, I guess their their job and their role will be to ensure that information is being, is like evidence-based and it's, you know, they're, I don't fully know what their role is, but the fact that the fact that there's going to be this type of role just speaks to some of the bizarreness <laughs> that we're seeing over the last, you know, two years and plus and onwards. And it's just, I'm scared too. I'm scared for what our next couple years may look like. I mean, this is actually not the first nurse that died by suicide. I mean, one of the things that we did previously in this pandemic is we, we talked about another nurse and here on, on, sorry, here in Ontario that died by suicide as well, Stephanie Van Nguyen. And actually, I was recently told of another nurse that committed suicide didn't did not make the you know the media or 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 any public airwaves, and I was told by this individual of the lack of support that they received, and it was crazy because I I think what this individual had said to me 
this individual had died by suicide. Everybody on the unit and everybody was was really shocked. And, you know, I think one of the nurses brought it up to the managers and was like, you know, this was a really horrible thing that happened. And I'm so, you know, upset and taken back by it. And the comment was, you know, she was a really good nurse. She she even finished her shift. That is so insensitive. What would compel someone to say something like that? Like, oh, down to their last minutes of their lives, they were still giving and giving and giving till they couldn't give any more. That idea again behind how like nurses are are viewed, right? I mean, oh, she was such an angel right to the very end and you know, she 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 just felt the need to finish her shift. It's just like this person was suffering, probably suffering that entire shift, suffering day in and day out before they came to that shift. And the fact that was actually said is is actually not surprising. Unfortunately, it's it's not shocking at all. Yeah, and the fact that it hasn't made the news lately, I feel like the news wants what it wants. So they're looking for an attention-grabbing headline, something that's controversial. I honestly feel like mental health, they're just honestly tired of talking about it. And just because we don't talk about it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means we're not talking about it, which is almost worse in a way. We're seeing all those various different disparities about not talking about it, right? Like I think there's so many things that intersect with mental health. How can we as a society, as a as a collection, ensure that we're we're having the health of all Canadians, all citizens, all people that live over the world if we don't talk about mental health. Particularly, like I'm I'm just really concerned for what's going to happen next. It's just what are some of the things that we can do and talk about within the workplace? Like I think when I think about people who I'm sure from my understanding there are a lot of people off on mental health stress, like a lot. I mean, I think yeah. I, I've spoken to a couple people myself who are on mental health leave. My my heart really goes out to them because we've been there, right? We we both have our times where we took mental health leave. And I think one of the things that I think organizations really need to understand, they really need to get out and 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 work on is how do you support people who are, you know, off on mental health stress? How do you support them? to come back to this working environment? Can you support them to come back to a working environment that's continuously on fire? And just, you know, what are the resources and things that are put in place? Because I feel, I still feel like I think back to our, you know, our previous days back way back when we first started the podcast and why we started the podcast was because of our own experiences and the lack of support that we received from our organizations at that time. I remember everything was about function, right? Like, can you lift 10 pounds? No, I can't. Like, of Yeah. Course. Can I lift that with my mind? No. That's <laughs> not the problem. Well, that's, that's true, right? But that's not the problem. And I think these are some of the things that we need to talk and address. Yeah, and we talk so much in healthcare about the patient experience, patient outcomes. I wish that we would talk more about the employee experience. So when someone has a mental health issue, how is that managed by the organization? How are they made to feel? Are they running around their entire time filling up form after form, you know, trying to get through all of the logistics and all the arbitrary policies that get thrown their way? Or are they actually put into a situation where they can heal and come back properly. And for for you and I, I know that definitely was not the experience. And it's unfortunately really common from other people we've heard from. And it's ironic because we're in a helping profession. So you think that when a nurse hurts themselves, 
either physically or mentally, that they would receive that same support, but it's actually opposite. Yeah, I think that that is definitely the most difficult part of the entire situation. And I and I and I'd like to say there are some places out there that do better than others. I mean, I think there are some places from my understanding that, you know, they're really actually seeking out and asking questions about people who, you know, are on their return to work plan. Like, what best can we do to help support you and really actually taking feedback seriously? And but those places are really few and far between. And I think that just generally there needs to be a better job done on, you know, having these conversations with people coming into work. And I think like it's almost like there should be a daily huddle about mental health at this point. Like I think that, you know, one of the things I know nurses are hating me right now talking about huddle, but <laughs> one of the things that I think would be great is, you know, and and it doesn't even have to be in nursing. Like I think it's just there should be a touch base. Like people just aren't okay. I mean, um the other thing was, you know, a lot of people are high functioning. They or they call it high functioning depression. Where, you know, they can they can get up and they, they go to work in the morning. They, you know, they get dressed and and they do their hair and their makeup. They look beautiful. Everything seems put together. And deep, deep down inside, they they are struggling. Yeah. And I think that is happening to a lot of people. We don't recognize it because, you know, you look at them and they're like on the outside, they're they look fine, or you know, they seem like a strong individual or whatever the case may be. But I think everybody needs to have someone who who's their check-in buddy to just make sure that, you know, they're doing okay. If anybody listening takes anything from this podcast episode, it's just to know that you are not alone. This is so common. It's not a sign of weakness. It's not that you've done something wrong. It's just that you need help. And so if you feel this way or somebody you know is feeling this way, the best thing is to talk to a trusted friend or family member or reach out to a mental health professional to get help because you need that help in order to get better. It's not that, you know, there's um, something wrong with you and there are lots of treatments available. Oh, absolutely. And I think I think even just discussing what is available again, just to kind of refresh people's memories. So maybe we can kind of start from the top. So most organizations have some form of an EAP. So that's like an employee assistance. Am I saying this right? Employee assistance program. Yeah. So an employee assistance program. And essentially that uh, there's usually some form of services that are available. You can do a couple sessions with them. And actually, uh, one of the things that Matthew told me, and I'm 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 not 100% sure, so make sure that you double check to see if this is the case that actually if you have a different issue. So let's say the the first thing that you were talking to um, this EAP individual about was anxiety. Let's say you had a different in- issue and it was depression that you can actually get more EAP based on a different symptom. So I mean, I would double check that. But if that is an option, I think that's another thing that you could do. I think, you know, one of the things I always think is important is exhaust the resources that you have before turning to your own financial resources. Again, it's a shame that in this day and age, we don't, we talk about universal healthcare and I want you guys to listen to us in the States. It's not universal here. We still have no, our challenges it's not. and mental health, I think is another challenge. Like it's hundreds of dollars. Like I I could tell you, like I'm still, I still regularly talk to my psychologist, thankfully, because I think she's a blessing and it's $200 a pop guys. Like that's not cheap. So, I mean, 
I think this is the thing where we talk about, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do to to pay that. But there are probably a lot of other people who are not in that position. And I could say that I know that there are a lot of other people who can't afford to pay $200 a session to talk to, to their psychologist or, or to even access the care. The other pieces, like I was fortunate because I had, she's the same psychologist I had seen previously through um, my challenges, our challenges when we were at that other hospital, the other, other hospital that should not be named. She had moved to, my psychologist had moved to a different organization and it was only by luck. Cause they said to me that to get in to see her would have been like an eight month wait. And it was just previously because she she was a patient of mine, I was a patient of hers, that she was able to see me sooner. So there's just so much, so many challenges with accessing um, mental health support. So at least, at the very least, start with your EAP programs if you have access to them. Yeah, and just know what's covered with your plan because there are so many of us that don't take advantage of our benefits in general like how many people do you know who never use their massage benefits or um, you know their chiropractor benefits and mental health is the same you should be using them so even even preventatively so if you're not actively experiencing anxiety or depression or any other mental health struggle it's it's a good idea to see a therapist if it's covered and just talk about the issues before they become bigger issues i know so many people like honestly probably half of my friends see therapists and it's not that they're actively you know in a crisis but it's just something that it's good to do for your mental health in general oh i wholeheartedly agree <laughs> i think i mean uh, i I'm, if I, I i pretty much talk to my um, psychologist about a variety of different things, right? I mean, I it does I think that is actually probably a good thing to have that you you don't have to wait till you're in crisis mode, but again, that is a that is a privilege that I have that a lot of people aren't afforded to, right? That that they can't afford those services and again, that's why we need to do so much better. And the other piece is like I mentioned, I am paying out of my pocket for to see her. Um, organizations need to do a better job. They need to, oh my God, they need to step it up in terms of how much mental health support resources they are providing. Some organizations, and I have to say, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the hospitals a, a hard time. They give really shit mental health benefits, like really, really, like you would think as a nurse or a physician or whomever working in a hospital that you'd have like rad mental health benefits, but they are just dog shit. Oh, they're probably the lowest that I've seen. They're really. so bad. It's just like it makes no sense. Like it 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 honestly, like we see some of the most horrifying things. Yes, you know, we could be there on someone's best day, but we're also there on people's worst day. Most people who are coming to healthcare aren't coming there because they're they're doing okay. They're coming with a health issue with a health concern. I can tell you my husband's benefits are twice as good as my benefits ever were. He's not in healthcare. So what does that say about healthcare? Because we're the ones that actually need it more. I'm not saying that if you work in other industries, you don't need mental health support, but we are in a high risk profession where we deal with the worst possible scenarios day in and day out. And the shift work, that's not easy either. Yeah, it's just it's it's really it's it's really telling, right? It's just, you know, when people are like, "Oh, we spent we spent all this money on healthcare." It's like, "No, again, we're talking about infrastructure, we're talking about buildings, we're talking about things that don't necessarily trickle down to the individual." And we need to do so much better 
at making sure that those healthcare dollars do trickle down to the individual who's working in healthcare. So again, just pleading with hospital organizations to look at their plans and be like, yeah, can can this actually help my employees if they need help or support? And and again, not just hospitals. I'm 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 pooping on hospitals today because that's 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 you know the industry that we know, but just generally speaking, like what are you offering your your employees at this time to to provide them with mental health. But in terms of other things that of options is it's also like medication. I know there's so much taboo and so much fear and stigma surrounding taking medications. Honestly, if you need them, you should take them. I think it's an adjunct treatment with with therapy. Like sometimes you need both. It, and it's not, a, it's no shame. Right. Like, let's say you were diabetic, right? And part of your treatment is that you need insulin. The other part is that you need to eat healthy and exercise. I don't feel like this is any different. It's like you just need to talk to your healthcare professional and figure out what is the best treatment plan for you. It might include many things, and that's medication is just one part of it. Yeah. So there's, there's various different medications for like it, and it's really dependent on, you know, um, kind of what you're dealing with, what the complexities are again, like if it's depression, if it's anxiety, if it's a combination, if it's sleeplessness, you know, they're, they have medications that can help support that to, to support you through whatever time that you may be experiencing. And I think that recognition piece, I probably should have talked about it earlier, but I think we as healthcare providers tend to just try to shove it to the back burner, right? You're like, you know, I can, I can do this. I'm fine. I see this stuff all the time. It's again that I, I think we've said this term before that normalization of the deviance. It's just like you're seeing all this really heavy stuff. You know, you're being shouted at by patients. You're, you know, maybe you have some trouble at home or, you know, you're having other issues with various different things. And we take all of this stuff on and we're just like, it's okay. We're fine. We're fine. And then you like get into the shower and you break down crying. It's like, that's not normal. Or, you know, you're having trouble sleeping or, you know, you're finding that you're not, you don't have the desire to do the things that you used to do. Like maybe you used to exercise or you used to, you know, you liked gardening or whatever. And now you're not doing those things. Those are all telltale signs that something is changing and you're not your 100% self and you need to do something about it. And I think that the fear, the other piece is the fear of saying, I need to take this time to myself, um, especially in healthcare. It's it's difficult. It's difficult to say that, you know, we were always caring for others. We're always caring for other people. But to, to take that time to say to myself, like, or to say, I need a break, I need I feel that I'm breaking down. That's really hard to do, but it is so, so important. Yeah, and I always say all the time that as nurses, we learn about caring for patients. We learn about advocating for patients. We never learn about advocating for ourselves or caring for ourselves. And it's almost central to what we know of as nursing. Like like the fact that you need to look after others is just the number one priority. But actually, think about the oxygen mask protocol, like when you're on an airplane, right, you have to put your own mask on before you can help others. And it seems wrong and it seems selfish, but really it's not. And this is where I think we need to flip the narrative to be like, if I'm going to be providing the best patient care possible, I need to be in a good place before I can, you know, give 100% to my patients. So I was thinking maybe we could also talk about 
in terms of advocacy? Like, how can we advocate for better um, supports, better awareness of mental health? Um, one of the things is that you should really know what's happening related to politics and healthcare. Healthcare is political. This is what we say all the time because it's true. What we've been doing for a long time is advocating for more mental health coverage. You know, knowing who your local politicians are, getting involved, writing letters, um, even joining any professional organizations that support mental health. If you're in a place to do so, donating your time to help and support causes related to mental health. So whether that be volunteering, whether that amplifying their message on social media, there's lots of things that you can do that are small steps in the right direction. Knowing what your politicians stand for, knowing what the policies are. Again, we are in an election time. It's it's coming. And I think it's so easy for us to sit back and be like, well, you know, I voted this way before, so I'm going to do it again. Really get to know what your politicians' views are on, on, on different things, especially what it on things like mental health, healthcare, and make sure that you, you know, like I think it's actually okay to be a part of that and to be, to say, you know what, I'm going to try something different and maybe I can volunteer and be a part of, you know, some of this political change too. I think, I think being a part of the change also helps with your own understanding of the climate and understanding of what's happening. And the other thing is just, for me, when I when I think about, you know, advocacy and, and trying to kind of try something new and being out there and, and learning more about the politics again, is finding your what what gives you catharsis. Um, talking about these issues for me, it gives me catharsis. Like this podcast um, is catharsis. You have to find really that that balance again, that balance to, that helps you. And that is uh, that's also part of your normal routine. I think We've seen during the pandemic a shift of this new, this idea of the new normal, whatever that may be, try to bring in things that you used to do again and that you used to do before to help you. So, I, I mean, that's, again, advocating for yourself and your own self-care. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, It's been a very unique and challenging time for nursing. And this is really our opportunity to change the narrative and figure out how can we make things better because we know that so many nurses are leaving a lot of a lot of it is mental health how can we convince nurses to come back to I mean I totally understand why people wouldn't want to come back but how can we in the long term let nurses know that it's a safe place to come back to that the same issues aren't going to resurface again that that's really the big question that that is a huge question and I I can't answer that Sarah like I think I think if I'm going to be real and be honest with our listeners, it's I think that's only a decision that that individual can make. And I think that I'm going to give people permission to say that if nursing isn't something you want to do anymore and it's OK if you choose something else, I think it's OK to look into other options. I think it's OK to say that I need to give myself a pause and maybe I can come back to this later. I think that we feel so many times in our life that we have to be tied to the profession that we, you know, we, we, we did this in our undergrad. It has to be what we do. And, and we're tied to that commitment of, of being like, you know, we're, this is, this is a calling and this is what I need to do. I think what you need to do is look out for yourself. <laughs> and it's been so challenging. And I think just giving people that permission to to say it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to choose something different. It's okay to try something different. 
And it's okay to say, to walk away and say, no, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. I think a lot of people are seeking that permission. And I am saying to you today that I think it's okay if you're, you're not, it's not a failure. It's not a stain on your record. It's not that you're a quitter or you're giving up. It's okay to say enough is enough. Nurses tend to not like to say no. Like, you know, that you finish your entire shift and you're done your fives and you get that extra call and you're just like, oh, I don't want to do it. And you say yes. I'm giving you permission to say no. I'm giving you permission to look after yourself. Definitely. And I think that part of it is also figuring out who you are outside of nursing. So I think a lot of nurses, their entire identities are is tied to being a nurse. And that's yeah. great. I think, though, if you do take that step back or you look for a job that's non-traditional, that you figure out who you are besides being a nurse. Because, you know, like you were a person before you became a nurse. You've got your life outside of work. You've got your family, your friends, the things you care about, your hobbies. You can still get back to that. And just because maybe you're not a nurse in the way that you want to be, um, you are still a nurse in every sense of the word. So even if you take a break or you leave the bedside or you leave the profession, you can still use those skills in different ways. And it's okay to not go back. It's okay if you do go back. It's okay to figure out who you are. You know, maybe nursing isn't a part of it anymore, or maybe it is. It's just giving yourself that permission. I think that's what we're really trying to say. Absolutely. I I don't think I have anything else that I could potentially add other than, you know, it's okay to take pause and take care of yourself. I think we all need to do, I've done it. I I put out a tweet a while back where I, I took a whole week to just protect my mental health, focus on myself and my family and and just say fuck it all and just kind of take the time to heal. I think it's important to take that time to heal. Work will still be there. All of those other things will still be there, but you know, at the end of the day, there's only one you and you need to make sure that you take care of that person for yourself and for your family. Definitely. And if you're listening and you'd like to share your story with us, definitely get in touch with us by social media or through our website. Um, We'd love to hear what you think of this episode and how you are taking care of your mental health.